0: Hello, and welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. What is up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing today? He is risen, and that is why we have come into this place this morning to celebrate. And I am so, so glad that you guys are here today, and I'm looking forward to um, sharing God's word with you this morning. If you have a Bible with you, or perhaps maybe you've got a smart device with a Bible app or something like that, I want to encourage you to go to the New Testament, um, there in the very first book of the New Testament, that's Matthew, um, chapter 26, and we will land there in just a moment. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and I, for those of you that, that may not know, we have, we have two kids, um, uh, Luke and Avery and but but early on even when we were dating when we first got together before we even got married we knew that we wanted to have children and initially my wife thought that she wanted to have four kids and and her logic was totally sound she said we're gonna have four and it needs to be an even number so that way whenever we go to Disney World everybody has a riding partner." what was she thinking families of four can't go our families with four kids can't afford to go to Disney World so we we proceeded we got married and 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 we had our our first child Luke and 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 Luke came along and the plan in her mind was still to have four and then we had our second our daughter Avery and so we just decided to stop there and for those of you that have met Avery you know why um, we were afraid that like, you know, the progression that we were on, if, if one, you know, after her was, you know, was even more of a handful, you know, we weren't really sure what we were going to get into. And we felt like that was the Lord just saying, Hey, okay, you need to stop right now. And um, she's, she's daddy's little princess and I love her. And she is so excited today because she's wearing high heel wedges for the first time. So she is she is pumped she is pumped, but I can I can remember I can remember um, when we were talking about having kids and everything. Sarah she was obsessed with baby names and what we were gonna name the kids, and so she would log on to these websites that were like the, you know, the, the nation's most popular um, baby names or, or by year or by region or whatever. You know? And so she's going through all of these lists. And so I remember like when, when we're sitting on the couch at night watching TV and stuff and, and she's just scrolling through list after list and she's reading all of these names off to me, asking me if I like them or not or like to you know, get my feedback on, on these names. And, and a lot of them, I just be like, no, I don't like that at all. No, I don't like that. And, uh, but of you know, some of the names I would I would have like reactions to, and I, I would say, who in the world would name their child that? Like, how do you even spell that? Like, are you sure you are on like a list of popular baby names? Like, and and don't get all judgy. Y'all know that y'all have done the same thing. Like you've heard some other kids and you'd be like, That poor child. What were his parents thinking, right? And then some names she would say, and these were like, you know, regular average run-of-the-mill names, but I would react to them, I'd be like, no, absolutely not, under no circumstances are we naming our child that. I remember 20 years ago in kindergarten, there was a kid in my class that had that same name, and he ate paste all the time, and I am not going to raise a child to eat paste, you know, or I'd be like, no, can't name him that because I dated a girl once that had that name and it didn't end very well. And you know, all of those things or, or no, um, we can't, we can't have that name. That was my chemistry teacher's name and I hated chemistry. I don't want to be reminded of that, you know, and it's it's all of these things. And so we we don't want to be a, a, associated. We don't want our kids to be associated with, with the negative connotations of these names that that are, are, are brought along. And I got to thinking the other day, you know, out of all of those lists, and it was like hundreds upon thousands of names that my wife read me during, um, you know, during her pregnancies as we were trying to decide what we were going to name our kids before we settled on Luke and Avery. And there was, there was one name in particular that was absent from all of those lists. I never heard it one time. In fact, in my 37 years of of walking this earth, I've never met anyone else with this name. And that is the name of Judas. Not one time. Like, think about it. Like, you probably haven't met anybody with the name of Judas either. And and this is going to be the day that there's someone like back there in the back that's going to come up to me after service with their driver's license and show me. You know, but Judas, that's not like a name that we hear every day. It's not somebody that we bump into on a regular basis. Like imagine like you're out in public and you see a brand new mom. She's got a cuddly bundle of joy in her arms and you look over and you say, oh, he's so cute. What's his name? On the list of names that you have in your mind, thinking of what it could be, Judas doesn't even make the list. Like imagine if she was like, oh, this is baby Judas. You'd be like, "We're Benedict Arnold and Hitler taken." Like, what's the deal? Like, you're not expecting that to come back, you know? And it's it's because it's because we we don't we don't want to associate our children with people like. And and look, I I, I get it. I, I'm not saying that there's there's not any Judases out there. Like, I'm just saying that it's a rarity because the same way that I felt about those other names that my wife mentioned to me, we collectively feel about the name Judas. And chances are that even if you don't read the Bible very much, even if you're not a very devout Christian, even if you're here today and you're not even a Christ follower, chances are when you hear the name Judas, it stirs up a certain emotion or a certain thought in your mind. Many of us associate Judas or or we know that that he betrayed Jesus Christ we associate him as as a backstabber or or with this idea of betrayal and we know that he handed Jesus over to the religious authorities in exchange for 30 pieces of silver And the likely reason that we don't run into too many dudes named Judas out there is because no mama wants their baby to be associated with that kind of person, with those kinds of thoughts or images or emotions. Some of you here today, you may not really like the name that your parents gave you, but it could have been worse because they could have named you Judas yes, you, ma'am, you could have been named Judas and that would not have been a good thing. And like, think of what you would have to endure if that was your name, everybody that you met, every time you introduced yourself. So I've been thinking about that as I've been preparing for today and and studying for today and and, and looking at the life of Judas, the snapshot of Judas that we get from the scriptures. And I've I've come to two very distinct conclusions about uh, uh, about Judas today that I want us to explore a little bit. Number one, I don't believe that betraying Jesus was the worst thing that Judas ever did. I don't believe that betraying Jesus was the worst thing that Judas ever did. Number two, whether or not we bear his namesake, I believe that all of us, myself included, have way more in common with Judas than we might realize. So let's dig into the scriptures today and let's take a closer look at this man they call Judas. All right. so. In your Bible, it's divided up into two major sections, like these two big chunks. And and the first one of those chunks, the, the, the first big portion of the Bible is the Old Testament. And the second big chunk of the Bible is the New Testament. And in that New Testament, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call those the Gospels. And the reason we call them the gospels is because gospel means good news. And those books are good news because they tell us the story of Jesus. And woven into that story are a handful of, of passages that also give us insight into the person of Judas or more widely known, his, his full name, Judas Iscariot. And while I typically don't do this, the story of Judas is, is so, so sparse and so fragmented and kind of scattered around the gospels. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit today in order pro- to provide us all with a more detailed and thorough understanding of exactly who Judas was and what he was all about. But eventually we are going to land together in Matthew chapter 26. That's where we're headed this morning. morning. So first off, what we all need to understand and know about Judas is that he was one of the 12 disciples and he was chosen by Jesus himself. Mark chapter 3 records it this way. He says, Jesus chose 12 and called them apostles. He wanted them to be with him and he wanted to send them out to preach and to have authority to force demons out of people. These are the 12 men he chose, Simon, Jesus named him Peter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus named them Bonerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later turned against Jesus. Now, you know that Judas was a bad dude because every single time he's mentioned nearly every single time he's mentioned in scripture it's not just his name it's his name and then something to the effect of who betrayed jesus judas the guy who betrayed jesus like that would like overshadows him in scripture as you will see but what this passage reveals to us, this first passage shows us, is that, that, that Jesus, during his earthly ministry, which lasted for about three years, that, that Judas was around for the majority of those three years. And he would have experienced firsthand the life, the miracles, and the teachings of Jesus. And not only was Judas chosen to be a disciple, one of the, the primary followers in the inner circle with Jesus, But Judas was also empowered by Jesus to go and to cast out demons and to preach the gospel to others around him. Toward the end of this three-year period of Jesus' ministry, something happened that revealed to us a great deal of information regarding Judas, his role as a disciple, as well as his character. And John, in chapter 12 of his gospel, records it this way. This is kind of a a climax of of, of events for Judas and and, and kind of gets things moving toward the end of what's about to happen and where we find ourselves today on Easter Sunday. John chapter 12, starting with verse one, it says, six days before the Passover feast, Jesus went to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Lazarus is the man Jesus raised from the dead. There they had a dinner for Jesus. Martha served the food, and Lazarus was one of the people eating with Jesus. Mary brought in a pint of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped his feet with her hair. And the sweet smell from the perfume filled the whole house. Verse 4, Judas Iscariot, here it is again, Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' followers who would later betray him, was there. Judas said, this perfume is worth an entire year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? But Judas did not really care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. He was the one who kept the money box and he often stole from it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. It was right for her to save this perfume for today. The day for me to be prepared for burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And it's from this brief passage that we learn a few things about Jesus, or uh, about Judas, rather. And the first one of these things is that, that, that I find interesting is that Judas, not Matthew who was a tax collector, but Judas is the one of the disciples that is in charge of the finances of Jesus' ministry. He's, he's in charge of the money box of the group. Number two, Judas was a thief because he stole from that money box. The third thing, Judas was a liar because though he claimed to care for the poor, he actually didn't. And then the fourth thing, Judas was self-serving because he looked at Mary and her act of worship as waste, especially when he was kept from being able to benefit from it. He was looking for how can this benefit me? He knew that if that jar of perfume was sold, that then he would be entrusted with that year's wage in the money box and that he could dip his hand to it and start to line his own pockets. See, it's, it's after this passage where this happens at the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha that, that things start to unravel for Judas. Following Jesus' public rebuke of him for his criticism of Mary, Judas sets in motion a plan that will ultimately result in his betrayal of Jesus Christ. And that's where we pick up today in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 14. Then one of the 12 apostles, Judas Iscariot, went to talk to the leading priests. He said, what will you pay me? for giving Jesus to you. And they gave him 30 silver coins. After that, Judas watched for the best time to turn in Jesus. So because of this public rebuke of Jesus toward Judas, the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Judas makes up his mind, the time is now. I'm gonna turn my back on Jesus and I'm going to betray him And if I couldn't get my hands on that money, I'm gonna get my hands on whatever I can. And so he goes out and he betrays Jesus. He strikes up a deal with the religious leaders, with Caiaphas at that time, the high priest, for 30 pieces of silver. See, here's what you need to know about Judas. Ultimately, he joined the band of disciples because he thought, that Jesus was going to overthrow the oppressive rule of the Roman government of that day and establish his own throne. And Judas, being a member of Jesus' inner circle, would receive what he sought after most, a position of power, of prominence, and prestige. But when he realized that it it was likely that those hopes would never materialize, he took matters into his own hands and struck a deal to hand over an innocent man to be killed for what in today's time would amount to only a few hundred dollars. Thief? Check. Liar? Check. Self-serving backstabber? Double check. But those attributes that we've learned about Judas thus far pale in comparison to what his greatest downfall was. Which was revealed at the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. Continuing on in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 17. On the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the followers came to Jesus. They said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover meal? And Jesus answered, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, the chosen time is near. I will have the Passover with my followers at your house. The followers did what Jesus told them to do and they prepared the Passover meal. In the evening, Jesus was sitting at the table with his 12 followers. And as they were eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you will turn against me. This made the followers very sad. Each one began to say to Jesus, "'Surely, Lord, I am not the one who will turn against you, am I?' And Jesus answered, "'The man who has dipped his hand with me into the bowl "'is the one who will turn against me. "'The Son of Man will die, just as the Scriptures say. "'But how terrible it will be for the person "'who hands the Son of Man over to be killed.'" It would be better for him if he had never been born. Verse 25, then Judas, who would give Jesus to his enemies, said to Jesus, teacher, surely I am not the one, am I? And Jesus answered, yes, it is you. See, as Jesus ate with his disciples that evening in that upper room, He made it known to everyone that one of them was going to turn against him. And it's in this passage that Judas' greatest downfall is revealed. And if you're not looking closely, you're not reading closely, you just glance right by it and overlook it altogether. See, the, the other 11 disciples, when, whenever this announcement was made by Jesus that one of you is going to betray me, the other 11 disciples, they begin to question Jesus, and they address him with the Greek word Kyrios, which means "Lord" or Messiah." I say, "Lord? Messiah? Surely it's not me." In verse 22, that's how they address him, "Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Messiah, is it me?" Then later in verse 25, Judas addresses Jesus with the Greek word rabbi, meaning teacher or master. Judas' greatest downfall was not that he was a liar. Judas' greatest downfall wasn't that he was a thief. His greatest downfall wasn't even the fact that he was a self-serving backstabber. Judas' greatest downfall was that he accepted Jesus as master but not as Messiah. His greatest downfall was that he accepted him as master, but not as Messiah. You see, Judas was there when Jesus turned water into wine. He was there when he fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. He was there when Jesus walked on water. He was there when he healed the sick, the lame, the deaf and the blind, he was present when Jesus calmed the storm. He was standing right beside him when he called Lazarus from death out of the grave and into life. Judas had encountered the son of God, but he never embraced him. He had been confronted with the truth, but he was never convinced of it. So what is the story of Jesus? or of Judas, this, this snapshot of Judas that we see in the gospels. What does it have to do with you and me? It's this right here. If you take away anything from today's message, I hope that it will be this. You and I, we can be familiar with Jesus without being a follower of Jesus. We can be familiar with Jesus without being a follower of Jesus we can show up at church, we can have our Bible tucked under our arm, we can be wearing our Sunday best, we can hang out and associate with other believers, we can sing all the songs, we can stand when we're supposed to stand, we can sit when we're supposed to sit, we can bow when we're supposed to bow, we can put on the front, wear the facade, talk the talk, go through all of the motions. We can be challenged by the word of God without allowing ourselves to ever be changed by it. It simply boils down to a choice. Are we going to betray? Or are we going to believe? Judas chose the former. And in doing so, he traded what was of eternal value for something that was merely Temporary. Listen to how his story ends. The next chapter of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 3 through 5. Judas, the one who had given Jesus to his enemies, saw that they had decided to kill Jesus. Then he was very sorry for what he had done. So he took the thirty silver coins back to the priests and leaders, saying, I send. I handed over to you an innocent man. The leaders answered, what is that to us? That's your problem, not ours. So Judas threw the money into the temple and then he went off and hanged himself. Imagine if you can, how Judas must've felt in that moment, alone, Scared, full of doubt, hopeless to the point where he believed that his transgressions were far too great to ever be forgiven. Yes, he did show remorse, but it wasn't enough to move him to repentance. Instead, he felt his only action was to take his own life, You know, I've been in some of those places that Judas was before. And you may find yourself in that place today as well. Maybe life's dealt you a rough hand. And you feel as if you're all alone. That there's nobody that sees you. There's nobody that cares. Maybe you're here today and you're so scared that your past is going to catch up with you. Or that the sins that you've been trying to to keep hidden for so long are going to soon be exposed for everyone to see. Maybe you're here today and you're full of doubt that you're even capable of being loved or that your life even matters. Today you may be hopeless. Maybe you've bought into the lie of believing that your previous mistakes are far too great to ever be forgiven. Sure, you may not bear the name, but when you look at yourself in the mirror, there's a Judas staring right back at you. You may feel like that your only choice today is the tree of Judas, which offers guilt and condemnation and leads to death and destruction. But I've come to tell somebody to proclaim as loudly as I possibly can that you have another choice. There is a God who sees you, who knows you, who cares for you, who has chosen you. He sent his son Jesus to die in your place so that the sins of your past, no matter how great, can be washed away. He's chosen you today and he wants to instill a new purpose in your life. The good news is, is that you don't have to choose the tree of Judas today. Instead, you can choose the tree of Jesus, which is the cross of Calvary. The tree of Judas offers guilt. The cross of Calvary offers offers grace the tree of Judas brings about condemnation the cross of Calvary extends freedom the tree of Judas leads to death but the cross of Calvary the tree of Jesus leads to everlasting life and just like Judas the choice is yours today Will you betray Jesus or will you believe on him as Lord and Savior? The Apostle Paul tells us in his writings to the church at Rome in the book of Romans that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. He also tells us that the penalty for that sin is death, but that God, through his son Jesus, has given us the gift of eternal life. And all we have to do to receive that gift and to be forgiven of our sins is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. It's truly as easy as A, B, C. Admit believe, and choose. If you'd like to do that today, then I invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Everyone, can we just pray this together? It's on the screen behind me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Christ died in my place, Making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. It's the choice between two trees. The one where Judas hung or the one where Jesus hung. Judas's tree leads to death. Jesus' tree leads to life and life eternal. That's the choice that we all make in our hearts today. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. We can be familiar with Jesus without being a follower of Jesus. You and I have to choose. If you made that choice today, you prayed that prayer, sincerely with your whole heart and you became a Christ follower today, the greatest thing that you could possibly do before you leave this place is to tell somebody about the decision that you have made. We've made that really easy for you. You may have noticed that orange and white connect card that Todd talked about earlier. There's a place on the back where you can indicate that you've made that decision to follow Jesus Christ and to step into life Today. If that's you, I want to encourage you to fill out the information on the front and then indicate on the back of that card the decision that you've made and then take it out to the big orange tent after service today. There's going to be someone there that wants to meet you. They want to get to know you. They want to hear your story. Most of all, they want to celebrate with you about the decision that you have made. It's the greatest choice that you could possibly ever choose. The step from death into life to choose to become a follower of Jesus that's what today is all about he is risen thank you for joining us today at Christ Walk Church we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day for more information about Christ Walk please visit us at thechristwalk.com